We are live with Jaws Coffee Chats, Jaws Mental Health Awareness. Emily, take it away. I just realized my thing is backwards. Um, but welcome <laughs> to a <laughs> welcome to uh, Jaws Mental Health Awareness. Um, uh, which is a part of the World of Ability Podcast Network. Um, we I am Emily, along with one of the podcast engineers. Along with, we have Jennifer A. Whitaker, along with Roscoe, your host today. Um, and uh, John won't be, John Pyre won't be joining us today. Um, I would encourage everybody to um, check out all of our social media pages and groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and uh, other social media channels or wherever you found us. Um, and so I'm going to pass it over to Jen to get the show started today. All right, then. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. And like Emily said, please be sure to um, subscribe or like our channel and uh, share so forth. Um, <clears throat> today, I, f I found an interesting timing with uh, how I was telling you and Emily, I mean, Emily, I was telling you and Kurt about how in the week of Christmas, it was uh, the the 26th or 27th, like a day or two following actual Christmas day, that I came down with COVID. And I found it so interesting and uh, quite a topic for uh, JAWS mental health awareness. Because personally, to me, the hardest part about having COVID was the fact that I could not do my everyday activities. So the way that I cope with going to the gym, going to coffee shops, going to church, and a lot of other going out that involves interaction with different people, I found that basically I almost could not cope at all. The way that my coping technique is through staying busy with different interaction-related events, whether it's this podcast or it's at Starbucks or it's at church or the gym, wherever I go, um, even the Chamber of Commerce that I participate in, there's so many different things I do that involve interaction with people. And that's how I cope with my depression that I found it an interesting point to, to talk about on Giles Mental Health Awareness today how do we cope with COVID? How do we cope with being sick when in these times post-pandemic that we get sick, even if it's a flu or pneumonia that's not COVID, often we're told to quarantine. And they do that to try to reduce the spread. But so many of us that didn't have mental health illnesses before the pandemic suddenly did because of the mental health crisis. And that's what the whole thing was about. 
So now we have more people that struggle long-term because of the pandemic. And we have more opportunities for them to struggle. What about, you know, people that do work from home jobs? And so instead of interacting with their coworkers and boss, when they go to their office, they don't interact with people at all. But all this is to say that we're in a world where it's easier to get uh, cooped up, locked up because of whichever condition, COVID, the flu, whatever, that we end up having to quarantine. And when we have to quarantine, that adds to some people who work from home who don't have interaction with other people, do like accounting or something, where they're always on the computer and they're not socializing, that we have more opportunities modern day to get depressed or anxious or possibly even struggle with other mental health illnesses just by being a part of society with the world that has changed so greatly. Personally, I think a lot of us need to try to find more virtual events to attend. Like if they go to meetup.com and try to find some online events to participate in, especially those who do jobs that are work from home and do not involve interaction with other people. But that's even more important for those people if they're also an extrovert while doing, say, an accounting job or a virtual assistant or something else where they're doing all the back-end paperwork, but they're not actually interacting with the clients. And that's more common when you have one of those type jobs and you're part of a major corporation in corporate America than that is with a small business where uh, they probably help contact clients and so forth on behalf of the owner in a small business. So that's what I'd like to point out today and focus on is the need of coping when you're in your own home or some other place where, like say when I was at the hospital this weekend, getting my EEG for three days, I couldn't even get up to take myself to the bathroom because they're afraid I'd have a seizure. That's just how it works in that unit. They're monitoring you for a seizure activity. So they don't allow you to get up without someone taking you bathroom and someone helping you wash your hands and helping you do every little thing. And so to me, that was easier to get depressed than just being in my own house because I had zero independence. I couldn't even go make myself a cup of coffee. I had to ask either a nurse or one of my parents to make that. Because then again, I had all these wires all over my head and they were plugged in the wall. So I was practically on the leash. Right, Kurt? <laughs> You're practically on what? A leash. A leash? My oh, EEG, oh. all the wires glued to my head. Oh, and that, then, that so, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you would be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was plugged in the wall at the other end of the wires. So I was on a leash. <laughs> you were. That's how they keep you. Yeah. Well, but that's why, like going to this topic of being in the hospital sometimes is more depressing than being like in my case at my own house quarantined when we all caught COVID because in that case, I couldn't even take myself to the bathroom or make my own cup of coffee. Cause I was on a leash. I couldn't even get out of the bed. 
And so, you know, a lot of us become depressed if we lose our sense of independence, even if it's a small bit of it. Especially those of us who already have some kind of mental health illness. So what do you have to say about all this I've been talking about for the last so many minutes? Well, you know, I'm hearing conversation about, you know, activities, uh, you know, we're talking about church and gym and navigating through our day, through our schedule. Um, we definitely know that um, for many demographics, scheduling is a challenge, like, say, people living in chronic pain. You know, um, my sure tell relative had to teach me that, you know, like even with holidays and whatever, you know, lion's share of the population presumes that the holidays are that joyful, commercialized type um, perfection, you know, for everybody. And, you know, that's not the case. And for some, some even dread uh, the connection. And I build that up to contrast that with knowing that the greatest healthcare crisis known to humankind is social isolation. Now, it becomes a custom, customizing thing, you know, because everybody's different. You know, there are some who do well you know, like whether it's certain folks living up in Alaska or maybe some of the, you know, Canadians that are really out there in the, um, you know, wilderness territories. And, you know, because you see these documentaries where people are making their periodic journeys into, you know, a township where they can get what they need and then they come back to be the by themselves or maybe married couples are out there, you know, out in isolation. So everybody's different. But the, you know, and don't you think that that's part to be why we have such a mental health crisis? Because we were all locked up, whether we were extroverts or introverts, you know, the lockdown during the pandemic. And then how there's a lot more people like us working from home. And some of them like bookkeepers or admin assistants or virtual assistants work remotely. But if they're extroverts and their job doesn't involve interaction like what you and I are doing now, they would be more prone to struggle with the being locked up and, you know, especially if it's a corporate job that's remote. And so they tell them you have to work this time to this time. And, you know, you're only allowed this 15 or 10 minute break. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the key is that, you know, we're kind of getting into this space where a person is not, um, you know, allowed to do what they would prescribe for themselves to do. Um, you know, it might even have to do with physical injury or something like that. Like we were just with a personal trainer who, you know, twisted their ankle and whatever, you know, twisted their limb, you know, and so the stuff that they're used to doing is just not happening because now there's a few weeks of recovery. Um, you know, so you run into all these logistics and, you know, I think it's, you know, the idea of self-actualizing or efficacy, self-efficacy that, you know, we all, we all want to have what we want to do, be what we can do. <clears throat> so 
like I volunteer with a nonprofit. It's called ACAP, Adaptive Community Approach Program. And the, the motto there is, you know, leaving our print in the community. So, so that's what the whole service is about, is getting with members who like the programs because the programs are about going out in the community and doing what they want to do as members, you know, in our community. And I think that's where, you know, like I talked about chronic pain. So the idea is that it may be on the calendar to go over to so-and-so's house, but they're feeling that chronic pain. So they really just want to stay at home. But now they have this anxiety around that they're letting their friend down. And, you know, so now this is where you can be on the edge of stigma because it may get to a point where you're not getting the invitation anymore because you've had to bow out, you know, more times than not, you know, and that's where this mental health awareness, you know, direction is so important is it's about building up tolerances and flexibility and openness. And, you know, I was at an event like almost 20 years ago where the facilitator um, brought forth to the attendees what he calls, and I think it, I think it's a big concept in the world, but I don't see it too much. But I, I remember it from, you know, a decade and a half ago, 15 plus years ago, towards 20 years ago, being in this facility and being with a group, and he's facilitating the art of allowing, you know, and I think that there's all these things that come out, you know, to deal with these social issues, because it becomes a skill set. To have that empathy for other people to say, you may be showing up with X, Y, Z is what you're thinking is going to happen. But maybe another person you're with with, needs you to pivot, needs you to adjust, needs you to adapt, you know, needs you to survey them and say, how will this work best for you? You know, or is there anything we can do to help you be a part of the group? Or is there anything the group can do to be more a part of what you're What's that? What's that process or concept of allowing? Um, well, I kind of was taking a step in the direction where the art of allowing is like, say, with the disability community to say, like, I got into adaptive water ski. And, you know, one of the things I talk about that I learned through the adaptive rock climbing program is there was an adaptive athlete with the rock climbing program that is a wheelchair user and, you know, is one of the people that the volunteer volunteers are working with in the rock climbing experience. And in a briefing of the program, this athlete spoke up and said, you know, it's wonderful to see how much the volunteers come to know and they're ready for, and they know how to get through an adaptive rock climbing but he's like, it's kind of gone a little bit too much to what they've been empowered to do because the volunteers are getting to the point of saying, you know, all right, Jim, go ahead and do this. And we need you here and we need you here. And after you do this, we'll do this, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the athletes are feeling like kids with their parents, you know, type of stuff. So, but the, the art of allowing is like step back. And when you're with people, 
allow them the space and the time to really communicate and allow their behavior to come forward and allow what they're in and even conversationally like you know like there's a lot of times an impatience with even verbal conversation because what do we do inherently is that when somebody speaks you're processing that and that connects a thought a prior experience or you have a response and then all of a sudden we're not listening as well because we're more anxious for them to stop and for us to come back in and say what we want to say <laughs> where whereas that the is art true. of allow- yeah so the art of allowing is that art form to say let's participate let's be available but let's allow the others the space and the time and let's not get anxious about you know keeping a schedule like with facilitating the the um the activity it's kind of like if we spend a lot of time with a person let's accept that there's nothing wrong with that if one person is contributing a lot let's say that that we are benefiting that person greatly by being available and allowing them to go and go and go and go and go until they seem to be complete you know and then that's where this whole dialogue that we've experienced in the last decade a lot i'm thinking you might have been a part of group conversations where the people start mm-hmm. saying you know i'm complete you know that all came from this art of allowing you know allow people to do what they want to do and like in disability advocacy there's this whole term of self-determination because what happened was is that the people outside of the disability community said well hey apparently they need to be taken care of this is how we're going to take care of them and then people with disabilities are receiving these so-called solutions but it's like it's not really doing what they think the people that don't have a disability think that they were doing trying to help us you know so that became a process to allow people with disabilities to come to the table and to share how this government program or how medical services you know this practice of allowing the recipient participant the patient the customer you allow them to really communicate and bring to you how it should go and even in sales this is used because the idea is a lot of times people are in customer service or sales and then they just want to basically we call it puking on people like the company's so great because of this that the other thing and the product's so great because of this that, 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 that. you know yeah and, the overpaid yeah and the idea is they may not be ready for all that information so the idea is to allow the person to express why they call the customer service line. If they're meeting with you as a salesperson, allow the prospect to explain what they're looking for and what you're connecting to in their journey and what it has to do with your company, what it has to do with your products. You know, let it start with the other person. And that's the art of allowing. It's basically that outward focus to say, get out of yourself, forget all of this here in your own personal space and start to relate and have empathy with the person that you're with. And then to allow everything that they need to have happen, happen. So allowing them sounds like it has boundaries though. 
I'm sure it is because like when you're with when with interpersonal relationships or when you're sharing time and space, you know, everybody's going to have their own, um, you know, aspect of, of what they need to be allowed to do. Like I need to be allowed to do something, too. And, you know, so there's a little bit of you're right. There's a little bit of balance in that. So like you say, with boundaries, there's a little bit of you know, boundaries that make it more practical and get away from, like they say, robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, to have somebody come in and they're just an energy vampire and they just kind of suck the oxygen out of the room. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of times, um, you know, guidelines or rules to follow or boundaries to to make it more um, something that's attractive for for people to come back and do again. You know, because if only one well, person I, wins, I think yeah. in a in a health since in a healthiness degree too, because like I have found okay, so there was when I was working with my therapist that I saw for eleven and a half years. She had to to work me up to actually finding stuff to do in my time. I had too much time on my hands, so I would stay depressed a lot, or anxious, or some other means of mentally unstable. No matter what my doctor did with my medicine, because I had plenty of time to just dwell on whatever something that's bothering me. And so she pushed me to find stuff to do, whether it's reading my books or it's reading magazines, it's listening to the radio, socializing, getting out and going to different uh, group community, community groups and events and etc. So she pushed me to this whole get involved in the community with a social life, if not just work life. And anyway, so I got, I reached a point that I realized how good it was for myself to a point that actually I even at a certain point recently got so much on my plate that I just pulled out. I just got depressed and because of the degree of overwhelming and I pulled out. 100%. And that's when I was going through what y'all know in December. That's why I had to take a break and get my medicine balanced and so forth. That's why I was out from the show in December, the last like three or how many weeks. I just had to like rebalance it. Okay, what's the stuff I'm going to keep in? Yeah, one thing working with doctors to balance my medicine. That they work in my therapist to balance what are the activities I keep, what do I need to do away with, because I basically overcrowded my schedule. When that goes from so many years ago, I didn't have enough. So that's why I say the boundaries thing. You know, we don't need to overcrowd it to where it overwhelms us. Um, that's too much for us, but we don't need to leave it blank to have time on our hands to just dwell and pout and get depressed and whatever else, right? As far as there's that middle ground for each of us. But mine might be different than yours and so forth. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and speaking of differences and contrasts, I think I'm going to make this the OMG EMG minute because we have our very own Emily Gulmer, who's our podcast engineer and uh, uh, apparently co-host as well of this show, uh, Jaws Mental Health Awareness. And uh, 
So, Emily, how is this uh, speaking to you in terms of what you do in your life journey? How are you keeping your mental health? And what do you think about the conversation? What are your thoughts to add into what Jennifer and I are talking about? Uh, <clears throat> uh, well, I, I think uh, it's been a uh, good conversation. Um I guess can relate a little bit with the whole um, depression thing, um, and um, the whole needing to um, have like other things to be doing otherwise. Um, to that point of uh, like I guess we're getting to like where you got um, Jen and then it looks like keeping busy um, that helps keeps the mind off of um, doing too much on something that maybe isn't going that great or anything like that that makes sense well yeah because i was going to say even as busy as you probably stay with all the all the work that gets put on your plate metaphorically speaking you still need a break from it as a downtime as we say right whether it's watching tv it's going to have a picnic with friends and family it's you know going to some kind of social event like a trade show or whatever kind of you know but getting out and doing stuff to do things beyond just working to have time to unwind in the evening and to have time to just give yourself a break a day or two off. You know how a lot of people work a five or six day week, but it's rare that you find anybody who works a seven day week. Yeah. Because that's kind of like a universal thing regardless of religion is that we all need a day off. We all need a break. So different religions call it like Sabbath or whatever, but it's that that part is pretty universal that we all need some kind of time down and off work and a break from different responsibilities to just rest. Uh-huh. Yeah, and very important to can't keep that in check before otherwise. Otherwise, it'd be hard to get to a point where they're not a very good situation, which we don't want either. It's just early. Right. So. I know. I'm the same way where whatever is too much for our personal plates compared to, like, you know, how Kurt and I were just talking about what's the high, the maximum amount of activities I can have in a day versus his may be different. But we all have that certain amount that's our maximum we can take in a day. As far as different activities, whether it's work, it's exercise, it's social, it's religious, whatever. But we have a maximum of how much we can do before we just have to rest. Then we have the universal thing. If we all need time off work, that's, you know, a weekend or not a weekend and someone who's on a different kind of five or six day work schedule. Mm-hmm. 
So are you saying like you would say in your case that you don't have enough activities outside of work? Well, not necessarily. I'm just saying food. I mean, um, um, I mean, it, it's um, varied as I'm sure it has with uh, other people. Um, um, brings, but it's always important to have like a, like a, a balance. So. I mean, like not like too much, but then not not enough for like getting to the extreme ends of it. So you go along with the point I made with Kurt that yes, we need it balanced. That whatever's the right amount for us personally, regardless of how it compares to other people and how much they can carry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it might vary a little bit. Um, it did, but in general, you know, kind of from the kind of kid, unless they were not going to any um, extreme in either direction, so that could cause issues too. Yeah, I was just saying it varies by the person yeah, because yeah. think about those who are on disability and they can only work 10 hours or five hours or how many small amount of work per week then what's what's a big load for them for work yeah. is a different definition than people who are not disabled or may have a disability but are able to work a full-time job, right? Yeah. But those that, that are disabled or otherwise limited on how much work they can do that's not a full-time job, they often have time during the day to fill with other activities, but... It, I wouldn't be surprised to to hear that a lot of people are like where I used to be, where we have all that extra time that we're not working and we get down or anxious or whatever because we don't have some time we don't have stuff to fill our time. So yeah. we're just focused on whatever thought is bothering us. Yeah. And I say that because that's a common struggle with people with various mental illnesses. Um not not saying I'm an exception, just saying that I was there at one point and now I'm kind of having to try to rebalance because I went so far working so far to make so much progress that I ended up on the other side, like you were saying, Emily. And that's why in December I had to just get myself balanced back on, you know, kind of play around with the different doses of medication and at the same time take a downtime from working and all. And then to rebuild what activities I would keep versus just having the full load to go back into what got me out of work, right? Yeah. So some people may have been like me that reached the far extreme of too much activity. And a good percentage of people with different disabilities probably are where I used to be. That's not enough activities during the day just because you can't work a full-time job or other people work full-time jobs and maybe they become workaholics and not allow time for personal stuff. So there's like both, both ends. You see what I mean? Like some people love the way that they can make so much additional money if they work overtime. 
some people actually become workaholics and they intentionally try to work a 60 hour week or 80 hour week, or whatever, because that additional 20 or 40 hours to the regular 40 hour job is a time and a half their salary, whatever's their hourly rate. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that are more money driven. Nothing wrong with that, but just saying there's there's even people like that that don't have conditions and can have some kind of imbalance with the whole, you know, load that's healthy for them. Mm-hmm. I guess we lost Kurt. Yeah. Uh- but sure, we'll head him back in a little bit. Um, so, what would um, <clears throat> this for anybody who is maybe wondering, like, um, uh, how would one get to that kind of more of a um, Uh, more of a balance if they're on more of the extreme. Well, I think in the sense of people uh, who are not disabled but are money-driven and people who are disabled tend to be on two different ends, but both are unbalanced as far as what's best for that person. But I mean, like, we, people that go ahead. Like, how are we back to being more balanced, though? So it's not we're not one way or the other. Exactly, as I'm, I'm saying, someone can be off balance either direction, working too much, not enough downtime, or having so much downtime they have nothing to occupy their time and end up focused on something that isn't good for them. So both directions are unhealthy versus trying to find that happy median for an individual, knowing that each of ours is different. So like, how how did you kind of get um, back to uh, more of kind of like a balance Recently. Personally, after I reached the point that I had too many activities in my day, I had to set priorities on each one. Each one had a priority, one through five. <clears throat> and I went through all of the different activities that, that were going on in the four weeks prior to uh, the date that I had to just kind of pull out of work and I didn't know what was going on. And I basically said everything rating one through five based on how important it was or how healthy it was. Like a one would be seeing my therapist or my doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, a one for me, church and worship, Bible study, all that but that relates to faith is very important. So that was a one as well. Because it's at least healthy for me and a priority for me as like spiritually, right? 
even if different people have different religions, that still we, we all have our faith or religion of whatever kind is, a, is often a priority for a lot of us. Um, so, yeah. I, so I put the different things in with a label, one through five. And then once everything was labeled, first I made sure on my calendar I had a laid out schedule of the ones numbered one. And then the number two. Now, when I got to the threes, I didn't have enough time to have all my rated three in priority on my calendar. So the fours and fives and the remaining of three ended up being stuff that I took off my to-do list and took off my calendar schedule, et cetera. Right. And then as the, as, um, you got done with things on you by me, like switching, um, that was the word, um, mean priorities. Well, one of your thing that was already on, like you had switch it, when it was done, like you would switch it with somebody that was. You had to take off initially, like replace it or something. If you been one thing, well, that's why I said I, I set them as priorities one through five, and then I made room on my calendar for twenty twenty three for the ones that have the number one, the number two, and then when I got to the three, there wasn't room on my calendar for all of them. So so I got what were the most important of what I rated three at least in my opinion, most important. And then the remaining of the rated three and all of the fours and fives ended up being off my calendar for 2023. Yeah, so then I got pushed to like 2024 or something. Or maybe just something that was not, it could be something like that where this isn't the right time for that certain thing. Yeah, not true. Or it could be that just a certain thing was too much and I had stretched myself then that I know... I probably never should really go back to putting on my schedule because even the task itself may have been too much work. It stressed me out and got me depressed or anxious or something. So there's some stuff where we can react in some way that has to do with our condition. And certain activities just aren't good for some of us. Now, those of me can be different with those for you that are not, that you have whatever kind of bad reaction and you can't handle. Mine may be some and yours may be different. But we all have those. And we just have to, you know, balance where we prioritize those that are, so to say, good for us. As far as we, they maybe they bring us happiness, they bring us contentment. And for a lot of people, it, it produces income as far as generating their livelihood. You know, the, the, the ones that are good for us, whatever's the definition of good, which can vary by the activity. Because, like, volunteer work wouldn't be good in sense of monetary making your livelihood, you know, whatever's the source of that income. But it may make you feel content because there's a joy in giving and helping. Uh huh. So each person can have their own definition, but we all need that, that something that's 
the stuff that brings us joy, happiness, contentment, whatever, that's a positive stuff to be in our lives, but also that the supplies are necessity. Like how if I lose power in the house, well, that's not going to bring me joy doing the wiring, the rewiring, right? Or having to pay the big bill for someone else to do the rewiring or whatever. That's why I lost power. But having power and being able to do stuff like this is what brings joy. So I'm willing to go through it. Versus say like, you know how um, I told you about, I'm trying to work with a program to give all an apartment. Well, I decided apartment because to me, having my own place would be enjoyable because that's where I see so many people working towards and kind of feel disappointed in myself that I sold for my parents while I'm almost 40. But I found a program that helps people like us get housing. Uh, and like one, one of them was 300 a month rent. Like that's dirt cheap, you know what I'm saying? But it's a housing yeah. program meant for people who otherwise could not obtain housing, like on disability, social security, or whatever, and have very limited incomes. So anyways, so I found that program, and I'm working with them. But I could have gone with, with um, Habitat for Humanity for them to make an, a custom home fit to my desires on a lot of land in whatever part of town I want that they could find, you know, that lot. You know, all these requirements and they could fulfill. But I knew for myself, going from only having my own apartment in my parents' house to now suddenly I have a yard and everything else to manage is too big of a jump. So that's why I decided to go with the apartment, even though I could get a custom built home. So I was taking one small step at a time, you see what I mean? Yeah. Because personally, with my seizures and stuff, a too drastic of a change uh, onsets and shocks the, my brain system and my neurological system to onset seizures and other types of episodes, like my autistic and so forth. So to me, I knew leaping from my parents' house to working with Habitat for Humanity was too much for me. It would not be healthy. And that's why I chose to be in the middle of a one-bedroom apartment. So small space, easier to manage because it's smaller space and less area to vacuum and all the other maintenance. But it was still someplace that would be my own. So that's what I'm saying we all have to do is we have to design it within what is best for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, which is different for everybody. Exactly. And that's why I say for ourselves, because there's not really any uniform, like a one-fits-all formula for a um, work-life balance. I mean, like modern day, since the pandemic, a lot more employers are trying to provide their employees with work-life balance. But still, that it's not one fits all. So certain companies may be better at that, in some people's opinion. While in different people's opinion, that same company might not be as great as a different one. Because what about, say, work-life balance at one company 
gave us a certain time during the day where we can take a 30 minute nap. Well, with insomnia, like I have, where I can only sleep at night because I take a sleeping pill that knocks me out, then a uh, nap during the daytime would not be, quote, fit or, quote, appropriate when I can't even sleep. But say that for somebody else, that's great because they need just a, a small snooze to get their second wind of the day. To take them through the afternoon and evening. But then there's other people that maybe they'd rather that 30-minute break be going to the gym or even that possibly it's a major corporation that has workout material that the employees are allowed to use uh, during that break. Um, of course, within limitation that they, outside of this, that certain amount of time, have to be at their desk doing whatever work that's their job. So, see, one yeah. of those may be better in your opinion. Another might be better in my opinion. There's just not one fits all, you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, mental health is a very important issue. Yes, I think I think with mental health, we really need overall health to be a priority. Uh, you know, because a lot of people in America don't exercise. And you may know that the first year first year that you and Kurt knew me, I wasn't either. I mean, I walked from appointment to appointment, but that wasn't like exercise intentionally going to work, do a workout. That was just my own sort of transportation because I don't drive. Or how many people, uh, like supposedly the, the number of people that have obesity as a quote condition, meaning a struggle, are went up to where it's now 50% of the public since the pandemic, like the general population versus before the pandemic, it was, it was somewhere around 40% of the general population. I mean, so there's even things like that that show, you know, a good percentage of our country isn't necessarily athletes or even regular people to exercise at all. You know, and so a lot of our mental health is taking care of our physical health like that, whether it's healthy eating or it's exercise or it's ideally the mix of both. So that's just kind of what I'd like to leave them with is the finding the ideal recipe for your own well-balance between how much work you can do and what type of work is best for you to achieve the goal, whether it's someone on disability that just wants something to do with their time, or it's someone who works a job for their livelihood, that they do what they have to do. And if it's a job, one that brings them joy in addition to, you know, financial gain for their livelihood and mixing it with a, with a life and work balance that will bring them joy and contentment in the different activities 
without there being too many activities in that period, say a day or a week or whatever, that allows them regular downtime as well to wind down for the evening or to uh, pick up energy in the morning, get themselves going. And at least one day of being off work and having time to just relax. Yes. Do you have any announcements? Uh, any announcements? <clears throat> um, so the, this Wednesday, um, we are having a, a an event with the founder of um, Innovative Nutrition. Uh, at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Central Time or 7 o'clock Eastern. Um, learning about like her story and uh, kind of the background of Innovative um, and other things connected with Innovative. Um, it's going to be on Zoom and um, urge, would encourage everybody to um, join us if you are able. Um, uh, and the first week of uh, February, first weekend in February, um, is a uh, Festivus, Festivus event for those of you who are uh, Seinfeld fans. Um, that's going to be on Zoom. Can welcome to join us on Zoom. Uh, there'll be games and um, other things going on. So um, everybody is uh, welcome to them. Um, also, uh, coming up on March 17th is the uh, International Day of Happiness uh, from 9 to 3, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific or noon to 6 Eastern uh, with speed networking, um, speakers, prizes, entertainment. So I encourage everybody to join us with that. Our tickets are thirty dollars right now, but we'll go up to forty in starting in February. So I encourage everybody who is planning on attending to get their ticket ASAP. Uh, what's special about this year is that we are trying to break the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, of the most people speed networking at one time, uh, which is currently set at 1,068 by Belgium uh, in 2014. Um, so if you're looking to help break your Guinness Book record, to join us for that as well. Jen, do you have any announcements? 
Would you like to let everyone know about Yes. Yes, I would like to announce to everybody, um, for those of you who's, who've watched us, you know, we have been going over this a lot, but we are looking for a virtual assistant and a social media marketer, as well as a press release person, and hopefully uh, some kind of different salespeople that can get uh, the books I write into bookstores and libraries and so forth. Um, whichever position you may be interested in, if any, um, you can get on our calendar for an interview to be considered for the job by going to calendly.com forward slash Jen's books and more. So that's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash J-E-N-N-S books and more. And um, we're looking for people to help with those different teams. I mean, those different parts of the team. And in exchange, they will get a percentage share of the profits that we as a team generate. We all play different roles. Um, we, you know, we even have some some people that do back that do the back end work, but we all together um, work to produce books, publish them, and get them on a website, make these podcasts and so forth. So the whole team is working together with the one goal. So everybody on our team that's presently on our team and also would like to be on our team will get a percentage of the profits as their form of compensation. Did you hear everything I said? Yeah. I did. Okay, I suddenly went muted. I don't know if you did that or what. <laughs> no. I didn't. I heard everything. Okay, that was weird. Okay, and um, if you ever be interested in being on our podcast, you can also go to calendly.com forward slash Jen's books and more. Uh, especially if you would be interested in us having a different show that's uh, a special show and series we make about you, your nonprofit, or a cause you stand for, or your business, or whatever. And um, <clears throat> if you'd like to be on our show for just uh, an opportunity to be on just one or a few scattered episodes as opposed to regularly, you can get scheduled on the show of your choice at calendly.com forward slash Jaws Coffee Chat. That's calendly.com forward slash J-A-W-S Coffee Chat. And that's how you get on a podcast for just, you know, a few episodes versus make an entire series about your topic. Over to you, Emily. Um. So I want to thank everybody for thanking Jen and Kurt for being on here today, as well as um, everybody who tuned in. Also, I'd like to make a special um, thanks and recognition to Marcus Hart of Transforming Media, uh, Jay Stoyan of the Disability Channel, and Zach Clayton of um, the Peg Channel, 
um, in allowing us to have this show on their platforms. Um, for those of you, for anyone who has um, uh, any questions, comments, um, concerns, and so on, uh, you can get a hold of us at jawscoffeechat at gmail.com. And that would be J-A-W-S-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-H-A-T at gmail.com. Um, and uh, so I guess, well, just a reminder to everyone to um, check out all of our social media, media um, pages and groups and and so on, and subscribe, like, share, comment, and interact with them as much as possible. Um, and, and also, uh, listeners, please be sure to check out our website where you can find other podcasts, episodes, or other shows we have at Jen's Books and More, J E N N S Books and More.com. So, as on behalf of uh, Jen, Kurt, and the rest, of, and the rest of the Relevability Podcast Network. Uh, we wish you a safe and productive week, and to stay happy. <laughs>